So Kent, go ahead and get the video started. This is, what, this is kind of what we're going to do. I'm going to give a little introduction, and then I'm going to have Denise come up and pray before we get started. But I want to give the introduction first, because I want the prayer to be part of the, the teaching tonight. So today we're doing session seven, I'm sorry, session nine of our Master Gardening series for our soul, which is a series about inner healing. Jesus came to heal us, spirit, soul, and body. He wants us well in every facet of our life. We're a triune being. We are completely perfected and made righteous and have our complete inheritance in the spiritual realm as soon as we accept the sacrifice that Jesus died for, as soon as we declare our belief and, our, and, and give Jesus our lordship and ask him to be our savior, our spiritual part of our being is completely perfected and it's done it's finished once and for all jesus paid it all and it's done our soul is our mind our will and our emotions in um third john verse two the scripture says i desire or i wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers that's god's desire he wants us well in um, John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came that you might have, that you may have life and have it to the abundance, to the overflow. Well, in order for us to have that life of abundance and that life of overflow, our soul is very important because the prospering of our life, the prosperity, the, the having our needs met and living a full life is dependent upon a healthy soul. And the health of our body is also dependent on a healthy soul. So that's why we've been spending all of this time on prospering in our soul. So um, we're going to read the scripture that I, I found in the middle of this session that I just love. It's James 1.21. So throw away all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. So think right now about any garbage that's in your soul, in your mind, your will, your emotions. It can be cancerous. In the, in the um, similarity to, to, the, to the, the, whatever you want to call it, the medical cancer that people have fought, including me, which is a, a disease that feeds upon your living body and destroys it, tries to, except Jesus healed it all. That's what evil of the soul can do in a very similar way. So we don't want any evil in there. So God says, throw it away, get rid of it, because he's already paid for our wholeness. And then he says, how? He says, in simple humility. That means in submission to God, letting God be God, giving him lordship over our soul as well as over our body. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. God's word, renewing our mind to the word. Next week when we talk about walking out your healing, we're going to talk a lot about the renewing of our mind with the word. So we've looked at kind of two aspects. We've looked at the bad roots and how part of gardening is getting rid of bad roots. We've also looked at God's healing grace, which is the, 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 what just makes the garden be beautiful. The fertilizer, the water, the sunshine, the word, the grace, the love, and all the good stuff that God has. So we're looking at getting rid of roots, bad stuff, cancerous evil, and we're looking at God's plan 
to help us to grow that salvation garden in our heart. When you look at the word salvation in the New Testament, it's usually translated, it's usually the Greek word sozo, which is that word that means the fullness of provision for man. Everything that God intended for us. Forgiveness, remission. That means all sin has been completely eliminated. There's no more barrier of sin. We have no sin nature, there's no barrier. Forgiveness of sin, and along with that comes the beginning and the eternity of eternal life. It starts at the moment that you receive Jesus. But that's not all. Salvation also includes healing of every part of us, spirit, soul, and body. It also includes deliverance from evil. It also includes wholeness in every area of our life. So that's what my heart is as we give you and, and just share with you all of this stuff about healing of the soul is that the salvation garden of your soul will be magnificent because we have a master gardener. So we have gone over, so far, five bad roots. We looked at wounding, which is when you get hurt. There's the potential for wounding. There's the potential for offense every day of our life. But we looked at the importance of forgiving the way that we've been forgiven by letting it go, canceling it out. We looked at lies. The enemy's a deceiver, but with the truth, we're, we're set free. When the lies are exposed, we see the truth, and we replace the lies with truth, there's freedom. We looked at the, the issue of fear. Fear, which, which puts our focus on the problem instead of faith, which puts our focus on the promise. The, the phrase that God has put in my heart over the last few weeks that I'm just going to give you right now because it's a yummy one. We need to be promise-driven instead of problem-focused. We need to be promise-driven with our focus on Jesus, the giver of the promise, and his finished work, and the promises, because his promises are good. And he says yes to every one of them. Instead of our focus on the problem I know that's easier said than done. We're going to be talking a lot about that in the next couple of weeks. So that was the third issue, was the fear issue. The fourth issue we looked at was what I called entanglements. And that happens because in this world, we are made to connect with one another. God created us to want and desire fellowship. He created us to, to, for men and women to be married and to become one and to make one another better. It's not just two separate people in a marriage. It's two people that make one another better with God at the center. You build one another up. But that's also true in healthy friendships, in healthy um, ministry um, connections. It's, it's in all kinds of, of areas of life where these connections are very, very good and powerful and holy, but they can also be destructive. So we looked at the potential of, of entanglements or enmeshments that aren't healthy and how we can break free, again, using God's plan. So we looked at entanglements. Then last week we looked at trauma and how the enemy, oh, the enemy has really twisted this. Because if you've experienced something, there's trial and tribulation in the world. So many of us have experienced trial or tribulation in our lifetime. But the enemy's twist on it is to take that trauma 
and to have it walk with you through life and have residual effects of that trauma. The world even has a, a diagnosis called PTSD. And we looked at that lie and the, the truth that by the wounds of Jesus, we were healed. The word wounds in Greek is trauma. By the trauma that Jesus went through, we were healed. There was a great exchange, and that was part of the exchange. We don't need to live with the after effects of trauma. So that was last week. And then today we're going to do the sixth route, and we're going to talk about um, demonic influence or occultism. Because this, in our world, <laughs> I mean, most of us say, oh, I don't fool around in any way or any form with anything in the occult. But what we don't realize is that the occult has kind of snuck in to everyday American life. So we're going to look at some of that, and we're going to look at the biggest truth, that is that Jesus already defeated the enemy. And we're going to look at how we just, our part is simply to enforce the defeat with our authority and with our power that we have through Jesus. So before I go into the session, I'm going to ask Denise to come up. She's going to be opening with a prayer that we, we, she emailed me today, and I just feel that this is something that we all need prayer for as we get started. I think Tom has the mic. Do you have the mic, Tom? Okay. And Denise, I'm going to ask you to come right over here by me. Because even though they'll hear you with that mic, that doesn't go into the video. So you get to be up close with me. I do too. <laughs> Let me get on the side. Oh, Father you. God, we yes. praise you. Yes. We just thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you for the, the um, enforcing power that you have given us yes. through our words, yes. through your word that we can read, that we can hear, that we can speak. And right now, Father God, I just pray against any darkness yes. that might be veiling your people here tonight. Yes. I come against that, that mind-blinding spirits, and we bind, we speak, yes. and we bind those yes. in the name of yes. Jesus. And we cast them out, and we thank you, Father, that the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the image of you, shines on all of us, and veils are removed, and yes. truth and light invades the spaces where darkness has, has maybe we don't even realize that it's yes. been there. I thank you that it is driven out yes. by your truth and your yes. light. Yes. In Jesus' name. In Jesus', Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Denise. Thank you, Denise. Thank you. Jesus is light. The enemy's darkness. The light displaces darkness. There's a scripture, there's several scriptures that Denise um, shared with me today um, when we were talking about um, this, this, the need to pray this for, for us, for all of us tonight as we're talking about kind of a dark thing. And one of the scriptures is the scripture that says that we can have a veil that keeps us in darkness. I don't want a veil in any area. Now, as Christians, as believers, that veil has been lifted. But we don't want the enemy in any way to pervert or to deceive us in a way where we wouldn't have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive. So that's what we're praying today, for light and the, the truth of God's word to just penetrate deep into our hearts. Okay? So 
to get to the right session. Okay. So the good news is that the enemy has been defeated. Yay, God. Yay, Jesus. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, first of all, to show you the finished work of Jesus. Colossians 2.15. Ooh, sorry. Colossians 2.15 from the Passion Translation says, then, G- then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all... Any idea what's going on, honey? Is it my hair? In Jesus' name, thank you. Okay. All distractions go in Jesus' name. Okay, I'm going to start again. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. So the demonic realm thought that they were winning. They thought they were taking down the Savior when he was crucified. But that's not what happened. With the sacrifice that Jesus paid, all judgment for our sin and our sin nature went upon Jesus. The barrier was removed. And when that barrier was removed, we were once again given the authority and power that Satan held for a season after the fall of man and until the redemption that Jesus paid for. So there was a role reversal. And Jesus, I love this scripture. There was a parade in the spiritual realm. There was a parade and Jesus was the triumphant king. And he was literally leading the, the principalities and powers in captivity because that's where they are in captivity in this procession of triumph. In the traditional translation, it says that Jesus made a public spectacle of the demonic, that they were disarmed. And in another scripture, it, he was, they were defeated. So whenever I think of that, I picture the devil with no arms and no feet. <laughs> he's disarmed and he's defeated. Yeah. Okay, now Hebrews 10, verses 12 through 13. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice, he only needed to sacrifice himself once, One sacrifice of sin forever. He sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. You see, the enemy is still in the world. He's the little G God of the world. He's been defeated. He no longer has power or authority, but he hasn't been destroyed. We are the ones to take over and to enforce the enemy's defeat. And every uh, this is what I've just been picturing today because this scripture is kind of ongoing. It says, waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. Well, he's already been defeated. So as I was just meditating on this, I was just envisioning every time we say no to the enemy, every time we speak and use our authority and the enemy is conquered in that event, under that footstool again, we speak again, under that footstool again. He's already been defeated. 
Our position is to enforce that defeat. And this is how we do it. I'm going I'm to read this paragraph first. Everything changed at the cross. Since the death and resurrection of Jesus and forevermore, Satan and every demon and every curse is in a state of utter defeat. That's good news. That defeat is to be enforced on earth as it is in heaven. Demons still work for control in the sons of disobedience. Those are unsaved people and within unaware Christians. But they must respond to the authority and power of Christ and his brothers and sisters. That's me and that's you. The enemy's ply is to try to bluff their way out of compliance. They can't do it legally, but they sure do try to do it illegally. The only power the demonic realm has is the power that we give them. And it's usually through ignorance, through not knowing how to take your authority. Now here's good news. Our power and authority has nothing to do with our perfection or our performance. It is only about the fact that we're hidden in Christ. That's where our power and authority comes from. It doesn't come from me being a superhero of faith. It doesn't come from me being super strong. It comes from my position. Now look at this scripture. This is Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 6. Mm. But God, being so very rich in mercy, because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us, even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sins, he made us spiritually alive with Christ. For by his grace, his undeserved favor and mercy, you have been saved from God's judgment. And he raised us up together with him when we believed and seated us with him in the heavenly places because we are in Christ Jesus. Okay, this is phenomenal. This scripture tells us that the amazing mercy, the amazing grace of God, when we were still separated, when we were still sinners, before we had received salvation, Jesus paid the price before we were even born for everything that we would need to walk in the fullness of our life. Even when we were spiritually dead, and the reason we were spiritually dead was because of the sin barrier that was still there. Even at that point, he paid the price. He made us spiritually alive together with Christ, with his grace. Through his grace, we've been saved from God's judgment. Jesus took the judgment that we deserved. When did, when did we receive it? We were raised up together with him when we believed. And when we were raised up together with Jesus, when we were resurrected with Jesus at that time of our believing, we're seated with him. We are seated with him at the right hand of God in him. He's, we are seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's why we have authority here on earth. That's why we have authority. We are seated in heavenly places with Jesus who defeated the enemy. And we are to take 
we are to um, continue on earth what he's already done, what he's already completed in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Okay, yay. Ephesians 6.12. This is the scripture that talks about we are not a war against, we're not in a war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. Because the enemy is still here. He's been defeated but not destroyed. And this scripture says, Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. But we're not of the world. We live here. But we are not part of the world without Christ. We are not the ones who have our eyes blinded and veiled. We have become part of, within Jesus, seated at the right hand of God with the enemy under our foot. John, 1 John 4, 4, and this isn't on your sheet and it's not on the overhead, but this scripture says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. The word them is all those dark powers, demon gods and evil spirits. You have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Demon gods, whatever that scripture called them, demon gods and evil spirits. <laughs> At church on Sunday, we were talking. They were they, Pastor Richard was teaching about the soul. I love how the Holy Spirit just connects the dots. And, and one of the things that one of the people spoke was, the enemy is no more powerful than a birthday candle. So if you see a little birthday candle with just one candle, with that little bitty flame, you just go, just like that, and it's out. Greater is he who is in me than he who's in the world. So the good news is the enemy's been defeated, He certainly has no authority or power over me. Our roles have been reversed. I and you, as children of God, have authority and power over the enemy. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at what has happened in the world over the last many years, but especially in my lifetime, with the enemy just infiltrating, if you will, in his sneaky little way. And we're just going to reveal him and then boot him the heck out. Okay, so we're going to look at uncovering any hidden areas of occultism or demonic influence in your life. Don't be freaked out. It's not anything to be freaked out about. There's one thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to say this today. I'm going to say it next week, and I'll probably keep saying it. We need to be Jesus-focused and not devil-focused. We need to be Jesus-focused and not devil-focused. So the only reason I'm doing this today is so that Jesus, who's so much bigger than us, can just blow out that candle. Okay. So the word occult literally means secret, disclosed, hidden from view. The enemy can't create. He can only pervert. He has no power other than what we give him. 
but we're often deceived because he's a deceiver. We're deceived into buying the counterfeit. He makes something look really good when it isn't. It's a counterfeit. So we're going to look at four hidden agendas of the enemy that are very subtle, but they're, they basically put us in the camp of buying this hidden counterfeit, which, oh, God's is so much better. When you see the hidden one, you're going to want just the real one. So here's the first hidden agenda. The evil or anything that's demonic can look bright and shiny. I didn't find the reference, but there's a scripture that says that the enemy can masquerade as an angel of light. So he can look very bright and shiny. One of the ways the enemy draws you in is with the hunger to learn new and interesting things. Philosophies. Psychologies. The newest and the latest and the greatest things that are out there in the world. One of the things that I see very, very often is this hunger for spiritual knowledge, spiritual fulfillment. The issue is if you're seeking spirituality, but you're not only seeking God, because there's other spirituality besides God. We have uh, our son. Our oldest son has a really good friend who he graduated from high school with, which is many years ago, because now Chad's 37. But his, this friend, when he went to college, his studies, wa- his, his uh, major was religious studies. And when I heard that he was going into religious studies, I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, he's very interested in, in God, but that's not what religious studies is. Religious studies is um, studying spirituality in every realm that's out there and so what this kid did was he opened himself up to all sorts of stuff i'm not going to go into detail because because i i just i want to keep it kind of confidential but i just see a very um disturbed young man because he's opened himself up in so many spiritual realms that are not god Another example that I want to share with you is um, the woman who wrote this book. Her name's Kate Nicholas. I'm going to tell you the end of her story first, and then I'll tell you the beginning part. The end of her story is that she was diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer, and it had metastasized in the fluid around her heart. So it was very serious degree, and according to the medical people, there was really no hope. During that hopeless time in her life, she went on the internet and she um, typed in divine healing and she found our website. She came to know Jesus differently. She was in a, a denominational church that didn't know that Jesus was the healer. So, and that, that time when she was in the church happened late in her life. And I'm going to tell you the early part of her life in a minute. But um, at that point, she started to learn truth. Truth will set you free. She started to apply truth. She found another group, and she lives in the UK. She found another group in her area that believed in divine healing with Jesus, the healer, with Jesus, the healer. And she got healed, completely 100% healed against all odds. She was even, before they even started treatment, the cancer was shrinking radically. It was everything way better than the best-case scenario, and she is now completely well. After she got healed, she wrote this book. 
she asked me to write an endorsement in her book. My, our ministry's noted in here because our ministry is where she found truth for the very first time. So she asked me to write an endorsement for her. So before I endorsed it, I read her book. I read the manuscript. The bottom line is this woman spent her whole life seeking fulfillment, spiritual fulfillment. She was a woman that, um, like you see on these movies, where she just traveled all over the world, going from hostel to hostel with her backpack, basically a hippie, trying to find the meaning of life. She experimented with every spiritual thing out there, Hinduism, Buddhism, um, Mid Middle Eastern um, mysticism, uh, meditation, all sorts of things. And the interesting thing was God was kind of, throughout her whole life, she would have encounters, sporadic encounters with God and with his love. I'm talking only Abba, Father God, and his love. And then later in life, when this happened, she turned her heart to Jesus 100%. But how many young, especially young kids, do we see like that, just out there seeking? And that is a cult because they're opening themselves, themselves up to spirituality that is demonic. It's not of God. So that's one of these, these hidden agendas where you're drawn in seeking and searching for the new and for interesting things. Another way that that may happen, and this happened in me, in my life, was that I was my own God. I was Lord over my own life, even though I was very religious. This is before I was saved. This is before I was diagnosed with cancer. I was a self-achieving kind of person. And looking back, I didn't know it then, but looking back, I did everything I could do to be my own savior. And I didn't even know I was doing it. Romans 10 verses 1 through 3 is a picture of this. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. You could put your own name in there. God's desire is for Cindy, for my daughter Megan, for my son Adam to be saved. I know what, enthousi what enthusiasm they have for God, but it's misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. That's what I was doing. I was very religious. I was checking it off my list. When Jenny asked me if I was saved, I said, yeah, I'm a good, I think so, I'm a good person. I go to church every Sunday. I had this misdirected zeal, but it was all me. That's one of the enemy's ploys. If you can be your own savior, then you're not looking at God. And he's keeping you away from the fullness of life that Jesus intended for us. I had blinders on, didn't know it. Another hidden agenda. Are you seeking power in creation rather than the creator? Something else that's running rampant in our world. People are so focused on creation. Climate change. Every, everything green. Now, I'm, I'm, please don't get me wrong. I know it's important to take care of our world. I know it's important to, to do what we can do in the natural. 
but not to the exclusion of the creator of the natural. And that's where the danger is, when it's almost a worshipful thing. One of my pet peeves is the commercial on TV about pets that are animals that are um, abused. And you see these dogs with these really sad faces. And, and I agree. I don't think animals should be abused. Believe me. But what about the babies that are being aborted every day? And every time I see that commercial, I get infuriated because it's almost like there's this, this, this passion or this, this, um, this drive to save the animals, to save the world, to save the climate. And they're not even looking at the maker of the world, the creator of the world. So there, there were, it's almost as if the worship is of creation instead of the creator. Now, this also goes into the area, and I'm just going to go out there because God put this on me, and I, I'm, I don't want to step on toes, but I feel like I want to share this. In the area of, of the, way that we, the way that we eat and the things that are important to us as far as clean eating and organic eating and um, that kind of thing, there's nothing wrong with eating organic and clean. But if it becomes a God in itself and our faith is in, you know, you have to have everything organic and you become legalistic about it or you have to eat everything clean and you become legalistic about it, then it can become an idol. I have a friend who's in our small group and we were talking about this at dinner the other day and he said, I, was, I had a season in my life when, and this man was telling me, when I was really into supplements and vitamins to such an extent that they had a hold of me in a way that wasn't good. And it took a while for me to, to realize what I was doing. He said, I've completely gotten rid of it. It was, it was like there was something um, demonic in that whole process. The one that I want to mention right now is essential oils. Oils are God-made. Um, myrrh, frankincense, were taken to Jesus when he was born. Um, there's many beautiful things that God has created. There's oils, and there's nothing wrong with that. But with the, the wave that we see right now in our world with essential oils, I'm getting that feeling, and it's a check in my heart. It's a very strong check in my heart. That, and I asked God, I said, God, why? Why am I getting this check in my heart about essential oils? And I have not used any of them because of this really strong check I have. And when I asked him, I believe he showed me two things. One is what I've already mentioned that many of us are putting our faith into the oils instead of God. And the second is that I think there's some occultic stuff going on with the um, um, production or the, the manufacturing of the oils in some cases. I don't think that's always the case, but I think that's out there. And I don't know that for sure, but that's kind of what God showed me. So it's almost as if it's uh, uh, there's a witchcraft kind of thing going on behind the production of some of the oil um, blends. Like this oil is designed to bring calmness. And it's a blend. I think those are the ones that possibly there's some kind of occultic witchcrafty thing that's there. And that's Cindy's opinion. That's my opinion. I don't have any documented proof. I mean, there's a lot on the Internet, but you can't believe everything on the Internet. 
So I'm just saying that's, that's where I am. And I'm talking about the occult right now and how it's infiltrated a lot of our life. So that's why I shared that. The third hidden agenda that I want to share is fear faith. Have you been deceived into practicing fear faith? Fear faith is when there is a compulsion, and it's from the enemy, a compulsion that you have to do everything perfectly in order to get healed. You have to be good enough. You have to pray enough. You have to confess the word enough. You have to whatever enough. And there's a fear that if you don't do everything just right, you won't get healed. That is a deception of the enemy. And what it does is it draws you away from your focus on Jesus. Instead of your focus being on Jesus, your focus is on yourself. And it's a demonic ploy to get you away from your eyes on Jesus. It's a deception. The fourth one is being deceived into practicing fatalism. Fatalism is when you expect the worst case scenario. Expecting when the, um, um, whatever, sinus infections are going around. Everybody's getting sinus infections and you're waiting to get it. That's fatalism. When the flu bug or the viruses are going around and everybody's getting it and you're just waiting to get it. That's fatalism. I used to, before I, was, before I knew Jesus as my healer, I used to get strep throat every winter. And I spoke that. And I said, every winter I get strep throat. And guess what? Every winter I got strep throat. That's fatalism. Recently, over the last five, six years, we have had a, um, something happen several times when we go to Florida. Our whole family, as you know, comes together in Florida for Christmas. And several times we've gotten flu bugs, diarrhea bugs, cold, laryngitis, coughs. And I told Kent, I said, okay, enough of this. <laughs> and before, about a month before that trip, we started speaking over ourselves, speaking over our family, speaking over our vacation, and saying no to the ploy of the enemy. We had a choice to, to resort to this fatalism stupid thing and buy the lie that every time we go to Florida on our Christmas vacation, our family's going to get a bug. Or to say, no, devil, <laughs> we are not receiving that. Our immune systems are strong. We're not receiving that. Fatalism receives it. Truth says, no, I have authority. I am not receiving that. Another example of fatalism is if a disease runs in your family. For example, cancer. If a lot of women in your family have had cancer. So you say, oh, I'm a woman. Breast cancer is like... And people buy the lie. Maybe it's heart disease. Maybe all of the men in the family have had heart disease. So the men say, oh, I'm going to have heart disease. No, that's fatalism. That's a demonic lie. Okay, so those are four hidden agendas. Now what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do this quickly because I don't want to spend too much time on this. But on the next page, you'll see a whole bunch of bullets. These are some of the things that are out there in the world. I am not going to give you bunches of details on them, but what I would like you to do, what I would like you to do is have your pen or your pencil ready, and if you've participated in any of these things, just put a little mark next to it. It's not a big deal because we're just going to say we renounce them in about two minutes, and they're going to go. Any effect that they've had over you or your family are going to go. 
But I do want to just bring them out. Um, I don't, don't want to even explain what they are. We can talk about it later if you want to. I don't have deep understanding of all these because I really don't want deep understanding of these. But um, I will say that I did do this much. I did go on and just real quickly did an internet on each one of them to read about one sentence about the occult just to make sure that I was in the right place, that they are definitely have occult foundations, okay? And that's about all I did. So the first set are the clear occult kind of activities that you think about when you think of the occult. Deuteronomy 18 really spells a lot of these out in God's word. So it says, for example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. Well, I'm pretty sure none of us have done that. But then the rest are a little more familiar. Do not let your people practice fortune telling or use sorcery, or interpret omens, or engage in witchcraft, or cast spells, or function as mediums or psychics, or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. So those are some examples of occult kind of stuff. And here's a list. The first one is witchcraft or Wicca. Probably you've heard stuff out there on the news about the witches in our nation coming together to curse President Trump. It's a real thing. But we have authority. As believers, we can speak against any activity that's going. We prayed that man into office, I believe. And we can certainly pray protection. The next one is Satanism, which is basically worship of Satan, and it's out there. The next one is, next one is necromancy, which is speaking to the dead, including praying to dead people besides... Well, Jesus isn't dead. Jesus is very much alive. But praying to anybody besides Jesus... Now, those of us who were brought up in, in a denomination, many of us have prayed to saints. Many of us have prayed to, um, I, I did. I prayed to, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I was talking to grandma who was up in heaven, not knowing better. Don't do it anymore, believe me. The next one is conjuring up spirits. And that's a real thing. Channeling. Voodoo. Divination, which is the practice of seeking knowledge of the future or the unknown by supernatural means. And then the, the, the last five things are under divination. Crystals, tarot cards, psychic reading, palm reading, and fortune telling. Before Kent and I were saved, we went to psychics, guys. You know, I didn't know better. Believe me, I have sense to renounce that. The next set is common games, practices, very common. The first one is the Ouija board. Um, again, in my small group of young couples, we were visiting, we were having dinner last weekend, and I didn't know this, but that Ouija board movie that was out recently, I didn't know that, but it's now back. The Ouija board is back in the toy stores, and kids are playing with them again because of that movie. It's a very... You're opening the door to, to the familiar spirits when you do that. I had a Ouija board when I was a kid, so I can't. The next one is any other childhood occult games. When I was a kid, we did sleepover parties, and we played these games. I don't even really remember what they were, but I know they weren't good. Um, that little silly game called the eight ball, you're looking for answers for the future. That's an occult practice. Astrology and horoscopes. You're looking at 
a, a pattern or a, a something that's, you know, it was created by not good means, some occultic kind of means, that answers questions. It's, it's not anything to fool with. I even put personality tests on here. My personality, my identity is here. It's not in some test I take. And I found out that I was claiming what that told me when it wasn't in agreement with God's word. Martial arts. I did look this one up a little bit. It has something to do with um, releasing of powerful inner forces, and it has to do with occult mysticism. Dungeons and Dragons, that game, has, is very immersed in sorcery and the occult. Dream catchers are those Native American things. Again, it's a, it's a very simple thing, but there is an occult attachment, superstitions. And then the next group is health-related occult practices. Things, and these are really big right now. All of these are really big. Yoga, big one. And uh, uh, we can talk about this one later, but it's basically, it's a Buddha, it started with Buddhism. That's the foundation of yoga. I won't do yoga. I do stretching. I don't do the yoga poses. I do stretching, which is really good and healthy for my body, but I won't do yoga. Reiki, which is an energy medicine. I was really angry about, I don't know, five years ago. I was visiting a woman who was very sick in the hospital, and I went to pray for her. While I was in the hospital, in her room, a woman came in who was on staff at the hospital and asked if she could do Reiki over her. Yeah, I was livid. I told her, I said, I am her spiritual mentor. No, you can't do Reiki and don't come back. I got bold. It was like, no, no, no. And I was very upset that it was they, they were hired, it was, I won't even tell you, it's a hospital right by my home. They were hired to do Reiki, and they offered it, and people don't know. They don't know. Healing touch, reflexology, energy healing, chakra balancing, acupuncture, magnetic healing, kinesiology. I looked up kinesiology because I had heard that this is very connected with a lot of, like, physical trainers. So I thought, well, what is this? It's, and this is what it said, an inner power connected with universal intelligence through our nervous system. Mm -mm. Reflex, reflexology, this is what it said. Spirit, soul, and body are connected with natural energy of the universe. Chai, C-H-I. It's new age. It's, it's, it's not of something I want to be putting in me or on me or around me. The next area are cultish religions. New Age is a big one right now. The typical name of New Age churches are Unity churches or Unitarian churches. And they really focus on spirituality, but it isn't Jesus, Abba, Holy Spirit. Illuminati, Satanism, Freemasonry, Kabbalah, Christian science, Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism. So... What we're going to do is very simple. Whoa, Holy Spirit. What we're going to do is we're just going to simply renounce any participation. If you want to renounce it, if you don't want to have anything that's a part of you, 
or has any connection to your, your soul. We have the authority to say no, to renounce it. The word renounce means that we're formally declaring one's abandonment to that thing, to that belief, to that claim, to that right, to that possession. And there is a part of that that's repentance, which means we're changing our mind. We're running to God and only to God. We're running to Jesus. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus and nothing else. So that's what we're going to do first. We're going to renounce our participation. When we do that, it's the line is simple. I renounce my participation with blank. What I'm going to do, Ken's going to get some music ready to go, and what we're going to do is we're just going to have you, if you want to do this, to just go through your list that, that we just went through, and anything else that God reveals to you, and just say, I renounce my participation with psychics. I renounce my participation with playing with the Ouija board. I renounce my participation with reflexology. Anything that you've seen that you didn't, weren't even aware of, I renounce my participation with it. So I'm going to give you time to do that, and then we're going to break off any um, plans or strategies that you've made unknowingly. We're going to break those off and separate them from you because we have authority to do that. So that's the first part. Then we've got two more parts, but we're going to do one part at a time. So Kent, whenever you can get that music up... Oh, getting a black eye, enemy. Oh, are you getting a black eye? Thank you, Lord. So, I would like you to just take a minute, two minutes, three minutes, whatever it takes, to go to God right now and to make a choice to renounce anything that you've recognized, that you have not probably unknowingly entered into that was not of God that was that hidden hidden deception of the enemy you might also want to look at those hidden agendas those four hidden agendas so just take a minute and renounce your participation with anything that you've recognized that is not something you want to be messing with And I would speak it out loud. You don't need to be loud, but use your voice.
And now I want you to repeat after me. Say, I repent for any seeking of wisdom through the occult. I send back any plans or strategies that I've made through information received in the occult. I ask you to forgive my family if there were any occult practices. I choose to forgive them. And I ask you to break me and my family free. So I thank you right now, Father God, that we have made a choice to renounce and break off any occult practices and to let go of any plans or strategies that were made. They are no longer a part of us. So I thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you made the way and that we can just speak the word and it is, it is authorized by you. Okay, so then Kent, just leave the music on. But the next thing I want to talk about are curses. Now, I've got some really good news for you. It's in Galatians 3.13. This is truth. It says, Yet Messiah, our anointed substitute, paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. He absorbed it completely as he became a curse in our place. For it is written, everyone who is hung upon a tree is doubly cursed. So here's the bottom line. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, curses were a result of disobedience. Curses were a result of idolatrous stuff, of putting anything before God. Curses were the result. Blessings were the result of obedience and seeking God. But Jesus took all the judgment upon himself. Jesus became the curse for us and defeated the curse of the law for us. So we hear about word curses. We hear about generational curses. The good news is curses have no power over us. The bad news is, if we have bought the lie, then some of those things may have been running rampant in our lives. So right now we're just going to say, I'm, I'm not buying the lie anymore. Jesus became the curse for me. I choose to say no to it, and it has to leave me be and let me alone. So that's what we're going to do. As a child of God, we have been redeemed from all of the curses of the Old Covenant. But if we don't know the fullness of our redemption, we can be deceived out of it. We have been redeemed from every aspect of the curse through Jesus. And we are called to use our authority and power to exercise that defeat. So here's a scripture about word curses. We're going to do two different kinds of curses. We're going to do word curses, and then we're going to do generational curses. So in the area of word curses, our words are powerful. We talk about this in here all the time. Our words are powerful. Proverbs 18, verses 21 and 22 say, A man's stomach will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. He will be satisfied with the consequences of his words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, 
and those who love it and indulge in it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. So words are powerful. And if we have spoken or if other people have spoken negative words over us, those things can very well come to pass. But we have authority and power to break off those words. We're not going to be deceived any longer. So what I would like you to do now is to ask God, any words, negative words that you've either spoken over yourself or others have spoken over you, and I'm going to, before, before you, I'm going to, we're going to pray and ask God to reveal these. But these things, many of us, many of them have come from childhood. Like, you're lazy, or you're um, uh, stupid. Mine was, you're shy. Um, whatever it is. In, in the area of health, it might be, you're, you know, you're always sick. You're weak, your back is weak. You might speak that over yourself, I have a weak back. Whatever it is that you've been speaking that isn't in agreement with God's plan for you, there's a, there's a space in your, in your paper to write down those things. So Father God, I pray right now that you reveal to these people and everybody who's listening what those word curses are that have been spoken over them. Anything that is not in agreement with your word and your will, God. Negative words, hurtful words, hurtful words, damaging words any of those words even doctors reports that don't agree with your report whatever those words are that have been spoken reveal them so that we can break them off and sever them from any power over our lives in Jesus take some time. I'm going to pray through the first part of this and then I'm going to let you just speak it all out. So first repeat after me. Say, Lord, I break any word curses that I have spoken or that have been spoken against me. I fall out of agreement with these words. Now I want you to just take one at a time. I fall out of agreement with the word that I'm stupid. I fall out of agreement with the word that my back is weak. Whatever it is, start speaking those all out loud. This is the fun part. I take back all ground and authority this gave to the enemy. I cancel all assignments and bondage 
and I take back all control and authority of my life and I offer it to you Lord in the name of Jesus Christ amen you see the key is agreeing with God and not the enemy and if those words have been spoken over us or if we have spoken them over ourselves we're agreeing with the enemy when he has no power or authority over us so we what we're doing when we break those off and we're, we're saying I fall out of agreement and then we're taking back control and authority it's because we're no longer agreeing with the enemy we are agreeing with God the second step I would put on there is start speaking what you are instead of what you're not I I have a strong back I am bold I am not shy I am bold I am courageous that's who I am I have power love and a sound mind. so write down who you are or make a note to do that when you get home and then start declaring that over yourself okay the next piece that I want to talk about are generational curses I'm going to share two quick testimonies before we pray this prayer the first testimony is Jesse Duplantis' testimony. Those of you who know this evangelist, he's a powerful speaker, evangelist, mighty man of God. He grew up in a family where every man in his family died of heart disease at a very young age. When he came to know Jesus, and he came to know the truth of the word, and he came to know that Jesus is the healer and he came to know that Jesus became the curse for us so he didn't need to carry that curse he said no to it he is now an old I don't know how old but I'm guessing he's probably in his 70s and he's lived a full life with no heart problems he said no to that generational curse which we have authority to do the second example I want to share is somebody that I know very personally. She was a teacher who worked at my school when I was first at Baldwin, and then she moved schools. About a year and a half ago, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. The only way that we were still connected was through Facebook. So she didn't know me when I was healed. She worked there before I was diagnosed with cancer. It was a long time ago. But she's been following me on Facebook, so she reads all the testimonies and all the stuff that I share. So the very day she received the diagnosis, she called me. She had already gone to the doctor, had all the preliminary tests, and had the diagnosis. Part of that preliminary um, lab work included a test where they test your, your DNA, your genetic makeup. And they found that she had, uh, and the words that I remember are aggressive mutation, and it had to do with the cancer. It was a very bad report because supposedly it she had you know this it, it was it wasn't good for breast cancer mutated aggressive gene for breast cancer so she told me all the reports we I started to teach her truth and she's a receiver she listens to every teaching that I put out there and she's just taking it all in taking it all in bottom line is she's completely well now that was about a year and a half ago that she was diagnosed she's completely well but this is what I want to share after we initially prayed I shared with her what I'm sharing with you right now that we're breaking off that curse we're breaking off that generational curse uh-uh Jesus became the curse for us we're just gonna say no to it we have authority to do that and I prayed with her what I'm gonna pray with you in a minute she went to another doctor for a second opinion and they did a bunch of they did the tests all over again 
The second time she had that DNA, that genetic test done, she no longer had the aggressive mutated gene. DNA doesn't change, except with Jesus. You know, they say whatever DNA you're, you're conceived with, you're going to live with your whole life. No. We have Jesus' DNA. Amen. Okay. So, what I would like you to do, again, is to take a few minutes to think about your parents' genetics. Think about what runs in their family. And you'll notice on your sheet you have your paternal bloodline. That's your, your dad's side. Your maternal bloodline. And then if you're married and have children, your spouse's bloodline. Because we're also going to be breaking off any curses that would affect your children or your grandchildren. So when you look at this, think of anything that, kind of like when you're at the doctor's office, things that run in your family because they don't have to. Um, such as physical things, but also emotional or mental or relational. Maybe there's divorces that have been ongoing. Maybe there's infidelity. Maybe there's addictions. Maybe there's um, certain behavioral things that are really not good, like a spirit of rage or um, um, controlling. You know, anything like that in any of those areas, go ahead and take time to, to write those down and then we're just gonna, we're just gonna do some spiritual warfare. define a couple of words for you before we pray this. One of the words is the word denounce, because we're going to denounce each bloodline. And it sounds kind of like, oh, I like my mom and my dad. I don't want to denounce it. I want to tell you what that means. When we denounce, we are giving formal notice of termination to those things that are on your paper. We're giving them a formal notice of termination. That's pretty good, don't you think? And then in the next prayer, we're going to sever. And that word sever means to forcibly break off. This is the authority we have and the power, the miracle working power we have as children of God. So we're going to forcibly break off or dissolve and separate from your DNA those things that are written on your paper. We're going to do this three times. Once for your paternal bloodline. 
once for your maternal bloodline and once for your spouse's bloodline. Now, if you've had more than one spouse with more children, you'd probably want to do it another time. Okay, so I'm just going to start praying, and I want you to repeat after me. Say, Father God, I willingly denounce my paternal genetic bloodline. I denounce the bloodline that this name represents and any and all of the demonic iniquities and curses that are attached to it throughout the timeline of this lineage. I choose to give it up in order to possess Jesus' holy and flawless bloodline. Jesus' genetic inheritance is now my inheritance. I sever all demonic powers that were attached to my paternal lineage. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to heal me and all future generations in my family. And now I want you to fill in the blank with what's on your list. Okay, now let's do it for our maternal bloodline. Father God, I willingly denounce my maternal bloodline. I denounce the bloodline that this name represents and any and all demonic iniquities or curses that are attached to it throughout the timeline of my lineage. I choose to give it up in order to possess Jesus' holy and flawless bloodline. Amen. Jesus' genetic inheritance is now mine. I sever all demonic powers that were attached to my maternal bloodline. And I ask you, Holy Spirit to heal me and all future generations in my family. And now fill in the blank with what's on your list. And now we're going to do it one last time for our spouse's bloodline. So say, Father God, I willingly denounce my spouse's bloodline. I denounce the bloodline that this name represents and any and all demonic iniquities or curses that are attached to it throughout the timeline of this lineage. I choose to give it up in order to possess Jesus' holy and flawless bloodline. 
Jesus' genetic inheritance is now mine. I sever all demonic powers that were attached to my spouse's lineage. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to heal me and all future generations of my family of, and then fill in the blank. pray over you is freedom from oppression oppression is unjust unjust um, control over you we've done a whole lot of spiritual warfare he has no legal right so we're going to say oppression go and the way God showed me to pray when I was seeking him this morning is to start at the head and I'm just going to move down so first I pray over your, your thinking. Mm. I pray over oppression, both physical and mental oppression. So I speak right now over pressure in your brain or pressure in your sinuses. I speak right now over, um, over migraine headaches and a propensity towards migraines. And I call that broken off and removed from you once and for all in Jesus name I speak right now over lack of clarity of thinking or fogginess of thinking I speak over being scatterbrained or having difficulty keeping your, your focus mm. I declare that that is not of you you have the mind of Christ in Jesus name that's what God's word says so in Jesus' name, I call freedom, freedom in your physical health in your brain and in your mental and emotional health in Jesus' name. I speak right now over your neck and your shoulders, neck and shoulders. I speak right now of freedom. If there has been a tightness or a difficulty moving or stiffness, or immobility or pain I command it to go right now in Jesus name be broken off and removed and severed and leave in Jesus name and I also speak over a weightiness or a burden on your shoulders and if you've been carrying a burden and you just feel a weightiness I call that oppression lifting right now in the name of Jesus and I pray, Father, that there is just a lightening of the load. Because you tell us to yoke with you. And that your yoke is light. And that you will give us rest. You tell us to cast our cares on you. So I thank you right now, Father, for freedom in our neck, our shoulders, and our burdens. In Jesus' name. I want to pray right now over your chest and your heart. If there is a heaviness in your, in your lungs, in your chest area, or in your heart where there's like an issue with, with uh, 
irregular, irregular heartbeat or um, too fast or pounding of heart, I tell it to calm down and be steadfast. May your heart be steady in Jesus' name. Lungs, I thank you that there is no pressure. There's no uh, uh, um, bondage in Jesus' name. And that we can breathe the air that you've given us to breathe with ease, without any constriction. So any oppression in the lungs, go in Jesus' name. Any oppression, any heaviness in the heart, go in Jesus' name. Pray for lightheartedness in Jesus' name. I pray over the back, the spine, the back, all the way from the the first vertebrae in the neck to the tailbone. I pray over the back right now and the muscles that are attached to the back, even the rib cage. I pray over that whole skeletal trunk system in Jesus' name. And I pray alignment and pressure removed any pressure any pressure on nerves any pressure on where discs have been um, out of place that there is healing and restoration so oppression come out of the back in Jesus name I pray for the, the, the stomach and the digestive system in the gut and I pray father that any heaviness that has been carried, stress often just weighs, 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 weighs down and settles right there. So I say, oppression, mm-mm. you have no power. So go in Jesus' name. Digestive systems, stomachs, colons, be healed. Be healed, be restored in Jesus' name. thing I want to pray for are the hips, the knees, and the ankles that carry our weight. Hips, knees, and ankles. I pray for restoration, for healing, for mobility to increase and pain to decrease. Any inflammation just be removed. Be removed in Jesus' name. I pray that there isn't a uh, pain and and issues of those joints is supernaturally restored as oppression has been booted out of our bodies and out of our lives in Jesus name so I thank you Father that you did it all that you paid it all once and for all and we come into agreement with your word with your life with your goodness with your love And we receive the benefits that you pay such a great price for. We have been set free. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.